you want to follow along on the sermon outline, it is in your bulletin. Here's what we read in the first chapter of Matthew, verses 18 through 25. Now the birth of Jesus Christ took place in this way. When his mother Mary had been betrothed to Joseph, before they came together, she was found to be with child from the Holy Spirit. And her husband Joseph, being a just man and unwilling to put her to shame, resolved to divorce her quietly. But as he considered these things, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, saying, Joseph, son of David, do not fear to take Mary as your wife, for that which is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will bear a son, and you will call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. All this took place to fulfill what the Lord has spoken by the prophet. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which means God with us. When Joseph woke from sleep, he did as the angel of the Lord commanded him. He took his wife, but knew her not until she had given birth to a son, and he called his name Jesus. What a wonderful story. What a wonderful event. What a wonderful truth. There is so much that we can talk about from this passage. The willingness of Joseph to cooperate with God's plan in the circumstances that he was presented with is very inspiring. The miracle of the virgin birth reminds us again that nothing is impossible with God. The realization that this event was the fulfillment of prophecy given hundreds of years earlier assures us once again that God always keeps his promises. If God says he'll do something, he's going to do it. And of course, this great truth of Christmas, behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which means God with us. The great truth of Christmas The one born in Bethlehem's manger is more than a great teacher, though he is that. He's more than just another human prophet sent from God. The one born in Bethlehem's manger was and is God. Christmas is about God coming to be with us. The Son of God left the glory and splendor of heaven to come and walk among us, to be with us, to become one of us. Why'd he do it? You can find a lot of different answers to that question. Yes, some people that question and they'll say they don't believe God actually did it at all. They believe it's just a myth, a, a nice story that serves as a good excuse for a cultural tradition of decorating trees and getting gifts and getting a little time off work. Some people are a little more agnostic about it. They think maybe he did, maybe he didn't. But either way, they say the story can inspire us to be kind to one another. Some believe that Jesus was sent by God, but they're not convinced whether he was himself God or not. But they believe he was sent by God to simply teach a message of love and acceptance of all people. But scripture is very clear. The one born in Bethlehem's manger was and is God. And we do not have to speculate on why he came. Jesus himself told us repeatedly throughout his ministry on earth why it was that he came, why he took on flesh and was born of a woman. He told us plainly over and over and over again 
the reasons for his coming. In fact, you can find uh, over a couple of dozen statements where Jesus uh, formulates a sentence something like, I was born for this reason, I came for. There, there are uh, a couple dozen or more of those statements. And today I want to briefly highlight six or seven of the statements that Jesus made explaining why he came. Statements that represent the central reasons for his coming, central reasons why God became one of us. And remember, it's important to keep in mind that these are statements Jesus uh, himself made about why he came to earth and was born in Bethlehem's manger. And so I've titled today's message very simply, Christmas According to Jesus. And for our starting point in looking at the the words of Jesus about why he came, we're going to fast forward 33 years after the event that we celebrate this week when Jesus was standing before Pontius Pilate. And during Jesus' interrogation by Pilate leading up to his crucifixion, Jesus said in John 18, 36, my kingdom is not of this world. If it were, my servants would fight to prevent my arrest by the Jews, but now my kingdom is from another place. In response to that, Pilate exclaimed, so you are a king then. And in verse 37, Jesus answered this way, you are right in saying I am a king. In fact, for this reason I was born, and for this reason I came into the world. This is what Christmas is about. For this reason I was born, for this reason I came into the world to testify to the truth. Everyone on the side of truth listens to me. The first thing that Jesus does here is he confirms his kingship. And then he gives the reason for his coming. For this reason I was born to testify to the truth. What's the truth that Jesus came to testify to? Quite simply, it is everything Jesus said. Everything Jesus said about God, everything he said about himself, everything he said about mankind, and about salvation. He came to testify to the truth that the kingdom of God had come near, so people needed to repent. Matthew 4. He came to testify to the truth that it is the wise person who builds their life on him and on his teachings, and it is a foolish person who does not do that. Matthew 7, he came to testify to the truth that unless people receive the kingdom of God as little children, they will never be able to enter it. Mark 10, he came to testify to the truth that the greatest commandment is to love the Lord your God with all your heart soul, mind, and strength, and that the second greatest commandment is to love your neighbor as yourself, Mark 12. He came to testify to the truth that there is a wide path that a lot of people walk down that leads to destruction, but that it is a small gate and a narrow road that leads to eternal life, Matthew 7 He came to testify to the truth that no one can enter the kingdom of God unless they are born again. And he came to testify to the truth that he did not come to condemn the world because the world is already condemned, John 3. He came to testify to the truth that everyone who believes in him will have eternal life and that he will raise them up on the last day, John 6. 
He came to testify to the truth that no one comes to God except through him. John 14. And we could go on and on and on. Jesus came to tell the world the truth about God, about themselves, about salvation. He says it is the reason that he was born, to testify to the truth. If you want to experience the true meaning of Christmas, you have to immerse yourself in the teachings of Jesus. He didn't come just to give us a nice little story to use an excuse for a fun cultural celebration. He came to tell us the truth. He came to reveal truth to us. Christmas, according to Jesus, is about truth-telling. God coming to speak truth directly to us. God with skin on, telling us the truth. Friends, truth matters. Truth matters. We live in a culture that is increasingly telling us that truth does not matter, but it does. This is why Christians can never be haphazard about truth, why we can never subordinate truth to some kind of misguided notion that love renders truth unimportant. Because Christmas is God becoming one of us to tell us the truth. Here's a reason Jesus gives for Christmas that doesn't get much attention today. John 9, 39. Jesus himself speaking. For judgment, I have come into this world so that the blind will see and those who see will become blind. Oh, we love to quote John 3, 17. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. But we don't really like hearing Jesus say, for judgment, I have come into this world. Christmas according to Jesus. Put this on an ornament and stick it on your tree. For judgment... I have come into this world. What's it mean? Surely Jesus doesn't mean this to sound like it sounds. Oh, but he does. But Brian, it conflicts with John 3. No, it doesn't. Jesus did not come to condemn the world because the world is already condemned. He came to save those who recognize that they are rightly condemned and turn to him in faith. But of those who are condemned and who fail, a more accurate term would be who refuse to recognize it, refuse to turn to him, his coming seals their condemnation, seals the judgment against them. Jesus says that the blind will see and those who see will become blind. The coming of Christ and the preaching of the gospel, even to this day, uh, have two effects. Those who admit that they are in spiritual need, uh, those who admit that they are rightly condemned and need a savior, they are given sight. But those who insist they aren't in need, those who say they don't need a savior, 
They are confirmed in their blindness, confirmed in their condemnation, confirmed in their, judge, uh, confirmed in their judgment. Jesus came to save, but his coming also has the effect of confirming the judgment against those who refuse to turn to him in faith. Friend, if you have not yet come to the place where you have admitted your sin, where you have acknowledged your sinfulness, if you have not yet agreed with God that you are in need of a Savior, I appeal to you today to admit the truth about yourself and to turn to Christ in faith. How tragic it is that Christ came to earth This great thing that we celebrate this week, how tragic it is for Christ to come to earth for you. For you. But you reject him and seal your fate. Don't do that. Today, turn to Jesus in faith. Jesus tells us more about Christmas in John 10.10. Here's what he says. The thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I have come that they may have life and have it to the full. Here's a temptation that all of us face. The temptation to believe that we're really only going to get the best experience out of life if we live it on our own terms. Basically, it's up to us to make sure that we get the best experience of life. Friends, that is the way of Satan. Throwing off God's rule of our lives, living on our own terms, that's the way of Satan. Satan is not trying to get you the best experience of life. He is the thief that Jesus talks about here in John 10.10. He is out to damage you, to steal to kill, and to destroy. But Jesus came so that we could have life and have it to the full. Some translations say have it more abundantly. When we turn to Jesus in faith, we receive eternal life. And then after we're saved and we receive eternal life, we still have this life to live. And the truth is that we experience different degrees of enjoyment in this life. Jesus came and then he sent us the Holy Spirit to enhance our experience of life, to make it more meaningful, to to make it more enjoyable. And the more that we yield to him, the more that we take on his thoughts and his priorities, the more that we can enjoy this life that's been given to us. Now, I want to be clear about what I'm not saying and what I am saying. I'm not saying this like in a we never have any troubles sort of a way. That's not what I'm talking about, about Jesus coming to enhance and, and, and uh, enhance our enjoyment of life. It's in this kind of way. Even though life is really hard, even though I still face many challenges, I continue to appreciate life, to enjoy life, to be thankful for life, to find it meaningful and fulfilling and joyful. That's the kind of way I'm talking about. You see, God has given those who have trusted in Jesus eternal life, and he wants to also enhance your experience of life now. Our lives now are a precious gift from God. 
Jesus was born so that your life could be a more abundant life, both now and forever. So Christmas according to Jesus. He says he was born to testify to the truth, that it was for judgment he came into the world. He says that uh, he came so that we could have life and have it to the full. And then Luke 19.10 gives us this central truth of Christmas, this central reason for his coming. All the reasons Jesus came point to and revolve around this reason, Luke 19.10, for the Son of Man came to seek and save what was lost. What was lost was mankind, you, me. What was lost was all of creation, the entire created order. Romans 1 lets us know that it is the entire creation that stands in need of redemption. Jesus came to earth to reclaim everything that the enemy had stolen. But throughout his ministry on earth, Jesus constantly emphasized his seeking and saving of lost people. Here's what he said in Luke 5.32. I have not come to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. He's come to seek and to save the lost. He's come to call sinners to repentance. And again, he makes the point here that those who think they're righteous won't repent, but it is those who recognize their sinfulness that will be quick to repent. Apart from Jesus, every single one of us here today are among the sinful. The important question for us to wrestle with today is whether or not we'll recognize it, admit it, heed God's call, heed Christ's call to repentance. He came to seek and save the lost. He came to call sinners to repentance. And then Jesus tells us this in Matthew 20, 28, the son of man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. Now he's letting us know what it's going to take for us to be received by God when we turn back to him. It's going to take Jesus giving his life as a ransom. It took Christ's death to satisfy all God's righteous demands against sin. Without the death and resurrection of Jesus, every person here today would be totally without hope, separated from God forever. Jesus was born in Bethlehem's manger in order to die for the sins of the world, satisfy God's righteous demands against sin, and secure for us the ability to turn away from sin, to turn back to God, and to be received by God through faith in Jesus, his death, and his resurrection. And then in John 12, 27, we see Jesus having lived a sinless life, having testified to the truth. He's now facing the moment for which he was born. He is quickly approaching the hour of his death. He's letting his disciples know what is soon to happen. And he says this, Christmas, according to Jesus. Now my heart is troubled. And what shall I say? Father, save me from this hour? No, no. It was for this very reason 
I came to this hour. Father, glorify your name. I think I say it every year, and it's because it's almost all that I can think about as I contemplate the real meaning of Christmas. I simply cannot think of Jesus, the baby in the manger, without having my mind race forward 33 years into the future. 33 years ahead of the event that we celebrate this week. And I see Jesus hanging on a Roman cross. The baby born in the manger hanging on a Roman cross, beaten and battered, hands and feet pierced by nails, a crown of thorn buried deep into his head, his bloodied raw back scraping against the rugged cross, his life slipping away from him. For you, for me. It's unfashionable today to talk about Jesus dying on the cross for our sins. Many, including those who claim to be Christians, are embarrassed of the story. They think a God of love could not possibly demand such payment for sin. It really doesn't matter what they think. It doesn't change what is true. Jesus himself said, it was for this very reason that he came. To die for your sins and mine. You do not understand Christmas if you confine your thinking to a baby born in Bethlehem's manger. You only understand Christmas if you move forward from the manger to the cross. Central to Christmas, according to Jesus, is his death on the cross for you, for me, and for the glory of God. What did Jesus pray to the Father? Glorify your name. I plead with you today to learn the meaning of Christmas from the words of Jesus. Don't confine Jesus to eternal infancy. See him as he really is. The one who died for your sins so that you could be reconciled to God and turn to him in faith, receiving him as your Savior and Lord. So Jesus told us what Christmas is about, told us why he came, but he also told us why he'll come again. And here's what he said in John 14, 1 through 3. Don't let your hearts be troubled. Trust in God. Trust also in me. In my Father's house are many rooms. If it were not so, I would have told you. I am going there to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come back and take you to be with me that you also may be where I am. We know why he came to save us. And we know why he's coming again. It is to receive all who trust in him into their eternal reward. He told us why he came and why he's coming. How should we respond? We should respond by embracing all of the truth that Jesus came and testified to. By immersing our lives in that truth. 
We should respond by recognizing our spiritual need. We should respond by truly believing that meaningful, fulfilling life is only found in Jesus Christ. We should respond by repenting, turning away from sin, turning toward God, so that we can be reconciled to God through faith in Jesus, who gave his life as a ransom for us. And we should respond by looking forward to that day when Christ comes again and praying the prayer that the saints through the entire history of the church have prayed, come quickly, Lord Jesus. Christmas according to Jesus. Let's stand. The worship team is going to come and lead us in a couple of closing songs. And I'd like to have the prayer ministry team slip up here and be ready to pray with folks. But before we do any of that, I'm going to ask you to bow your heads and close your eyes. I'm going to give you an opportunity today, if there's someone here who has not received Christ as Savior, I want to give you an opportunity to do that. So if you would, just bow your head, close your eyes. I'm going to lead you in a simple prayer. There's nothing magic about these words. They don't confer salvation on you. But if you pray this prayer or something similar to it and it reflects the reality of your heart, you can be saved today. You can leave this place with your sins removed from you as far as the east is from the west. You can leave this place reconciled to God. You can leave this place with eternal life. So if you'd like to do that today, just pray something like this. Dear Jesus, I admit I've lived life on my own terms and I know this is sin. I recognize today that I'm a sinner and that I need a savior. I recognize that I am rightly condemned before God. And Jesus, today I turn to you to be my savior. I place my faith in you and what you did on the cross for me. Become my savior today. I receive you. Thank you for what you did for me. Thank you for salvation. Now, God, I ask you to empower me by your Holy Spirit to live the rest of my life in obedience to Christ.